<clears throat> there we go. Upper left-hand corner recording. Excellent. Hey, so it's good to be back with you again for another segment of My Town. My name is John Micah, and I'm joined today uh, by Stan Wilson, one of my other co-workers here at Hendersonville. And um, as a ministry team, we are enjoying the beginning of this series uh, and this theme, if you will. And so as a ministry team, uh, we're taking the opportunity to this summer uh, to emphasize what it means for us as a church body to love the city of Hendersonville well. And you could extend that to the larger Sumner County, but what does it mean for us to love the city of Hendersonville well? And I hope that we will continue to stimulate conversation and actually begin to watch this manifest before our very eyes, because we believe that the conversation matters. And we believe that this conversation must continue to be held. And so our desire is to plunge deeper into what that means for us to love our neighbors well. So there's some things that we do believe in. The things that we do believe is that God is active and on the move in this world, and that God is active and on the move in this city, and that we as a church body and as a people have the opportunity, multiple opportunities, to join the work that is already occurring right before us. However, we must be aware and attentive to God's activity and these opportunities right before our very eyes. So that's part of what this My Town conversation looks like. And then as we said before, um, we have no intentions of this simply being a summer theme. This, this must be about who we are perpetually moving forward in all circumstances. But as far as our weekly discussions and teaching times go, we're, we're digging into currently the parable of the Good Samaritan found in Luke chapter 10. And this week, Stan and I have the opportunity and the privilege to reflect on what it means for love to be proactive. Okay. And so if you, if you just do a simple Google search, um, or, or even if you're just using a a paper dictionary, whatever it is you have handy, the very definition or term of proactive is for you and I to cause something to happen rather than reacting or responding to said situation after the fact. So in other words, to be proactive, uh, it means for us to take action. It means to do something, uh, to make something happen rather than waiting for things to unfold. Even the very prefix, pro, pro means that it happens before, right? So companies or businesses can be proactive. Companies and businesses can be proactive with their approaches and their policies and, and their proposals. People, we as humans choose to be proactive or not. And so we're talking about the church. The church must make the choice, or I should say, has the opportunity to make the choice to be proactive or not in the mission of God right here in our very city right here with our neighbors right next door to us so Stan um, while the church does meet from time to time in a physical building or in physical buildings all around the world um, in what ways does the work of Jesus 
the mission of Jesus carried out by the church move forward and take place outside of any particular building? Hmm. Well, you know, John, when you say that, I hear I hear a couple of interesting questions. Um, how important is the church building? Is a church building required? What about when we're not in it? Um, and so I think it's kind of a twofold answer. It's it's kind of a both and, right? Clearly, church buildings are not an escape from the world. We don't uh, we don't go to the church building in order to protect ourselves from non-believers or from the brokenness that's outside, and kind of all congregate and say this is our safe space. Uh, church buildings are a kingdom entryway into the world, and a proper theology of sacred space, if we want to go all the way back to the garden in Genesis, where God and humans are present together, uh, the, the church building is the model for that. So it ought to be that our buildings are for public worship as advanced signs of the coming future when God's glory will fill all of creation. God will be everywhere on the earth. The whole entire earth will be sacred space instead of it just being in little pockets of where these buildings are. Um, and I think that when we think that way, we also have to think about how Christians should be sign producers of God's kingdom, right? We, we should leave the building and go out of the building as the light and the salt into the world. And really, we're signposts through our actions and through our symbols and not just words, because anybody can say anything. But if they don't actually do something after they say something, then it's just kind of hot air, right? So think of Jesus' signs of new creation. You know, when he would walk around and say the kingdom had come near, because at that time he was the sole uh, kingdom on earth in in his life and ministry prior to his work on the cross, he healed the sick and he gave food to the hungry and so on, right? So he was exemplifying what the kingdom looked like in the everyday, out, out in the world, wherever he was. And this means things for us like running food banks and working in homeless shelters and visiting the hospitals and prisons and so on. But on the other hand, I think buildings are important that public worship of the triune God in a public place, right? Like not hidden away in our basements or somewhere else, observing that is actually uh, with, 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 let's face it, with the virus right now, with proper security measures that are appropriate to take care of people, that public place, that public public assembly has always been a major part of sending out the signal to the watching world that Christians are doing something different, that there's an alternative to just being like everybody else, right? <clears throat> so um, I think with your comment about love earlier, it reminds me of two weeks ago when we did this with the four of us, you and me and Tony and Les. Les Chapman said something interesting. He he told a story about a football coach who came into the team and they were kind of they were kind of getting to the point where they needed to rethink everything and and uncomplicate stuff. And and so the coach comes in and holds a football and says, Gentlemen, this is a football. And the point was is the basics of this game surround this ball. And if I had to think about that in light of the kingdom or in light of what we call, quote unquote, church, being the church, love is our football, right? That's the basic common denominator. That's the least common denominator that uh, is there. And, it, and we sometimes say, well, OK, we know Jesus said that and that's a New Testament thing. 
but it's really not a New Testament thing. It's really, it's really the whole narrative of Scripture from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Specifically, we can find it in Leviticus 19, 18 that we talked about two weeks ago, where in Hebrew Scripture, there's the command, love your neighbor as yourself, thus says the Lord. Um, and then the Gospel of John, and of course, we studied here at Hendersonville two years ago, 1 Corinthians 13, and went through each line by line, and all that's about love, and most, most people realize that. And then there's the first John four verse eight that people memorize that God is love. But I, I think when we if we if we don't if we don't caution ourselves a little bit, the world comes in and says, Okay, so love is your God. No, love's not our God because without God and without the gospel of Jesus Christ, true love actually isn't present. It's just mm. the definition of love by our culture, right? And wow. definition, definition of love bar culture is some pretty uh, shady stuff. It might be physical love. It might be I love pizza. It might be that I love my car. It might be that I love my family or my dog or my job. But that that can all those things can become idols and can become gods, right? Mm -hmm. God is love. Once we have a relationship with God and come to know Him then true love is present and we're actually doing things in the world that reflect that mm. and allowing people to introduce themselves or him to introduce himself to them. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, I, I mean, as all your thoughts are, I'm tying all your thoughts together. I'm thinking about even just what that means for us to be a witness to the world based off of the love that you just described. And, and so even as we begin to uh, unpack different components of what love could be, as we're as we're thinking about what it means for love to be proactive, I love the fact that you just said it's not. This is not. This is not just a New Testament thing. Mm -hmm. This is this is the narrative of the Triune God from the beginning. And so I can't help but think of other passages as well. And so when I think about time and time again, we hear Jesus and his disciples reflecting on the core message of what it means to live the message of love out as far as who we are on this earth in real time. I mean, so, and, and even as I go back and reflect on a few passages, so for those of, for those who are out there, if they would have their Bibles with them or, or their, or their uh, iPads or whatever it is, I think back to Matthew 22. I think back to the lawyer who, who asked Jesus, you know, which, which commandment in the law is the greatest. And he says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he says, this is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, on these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. And so we, we have this language of neighbor now. Um, that love is something that is to be shared. It's something to, that, that manifests to others. Uh, because of this love that we have for God, right? And so um, I think about John 13, and I think about while Jesus is talking to his own disciples, um, he says, I, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another, just as I have loved you, he says. And he goes on to say, um, by this, by this love, right? Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I think about Paul even when he's writing the church in Rome and he describes what it means to have love for one another. And he says, Oh, no one, anything except to love one another 
for those who love for for one who loves another has fulfilled the law and the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word i love this love your neighbor as yourself and he goes on to say love does no wrong to a neighbor i feel like i need to say just i love that i love it all but just as he says this love does no wrong to a neighbor that's proactive right that's an action love does no wrong therefore love is fulfilling of the law i love how uh eugene peterson translates those last parts in the message he says love other people as well as you do yourself you can't go wrong when you love others when you add up everything in the law code the sum total is love yeah and so, i i think yeah, about well, I, I just think about, uh, you know, again, back to our introduction two weeks ago, we said that you love God as much as you love the person you love the least. Mm. And even though that's not a book, chapter, and verse that says it that way, you made me think of First John 4, 20 through 21. And again, from Eugene P Peterson's The Message, he says, if anyone boasts, I love God, mm. and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking mm. nothing of it, he is a liar, or they are a liar. If they won't love the person that they can see, how can they love the God that they cannot see? The man we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. So mm. you know, we said it in the introduction, but basically what we're saying is if you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I do number one. I'm all about loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But as far as the rest of you people go, you know, you're on your own or we're judging them or we're telling them who gets in, who gets out, you know, all that kind of stuff. If we, what you just said, do no harm, take care of them, love them. I, it, you I also heard, let God deal with the judgment. Let God deal with who's in, who's out. Just love people mm. as God has loved you and you've done your part. Let him do, let him worry about the rest of it. Yeah. So in this, so in this, this context that we're speaking so including the other embracing the other loving the other attending to our neighbors seems to be a call to a very proactive way of living and even i just heard you just then it's not a suggestion mm. hey if, if 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 jesus is who he says that he is and we're going to follow him you can do some of this if you want to it seems like it's not a suggestion uh, it seems that it's rather demanding and, and a rather challenging call to place the needs of others and their interest of others before ourselves. And so it means that we, as a church body, should concentrate more on fostering or cultivating the kind of life towards others that envisions and creates justice and just, truthful, and a peaceful society with others. And yeah, so you're, I, you're getting me all amped up now. I'm sitting here hearing, <laughs> you know, we, we all say, we all say we want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Right. But have you ever wondered if when, when you hear that, if you say, well, I don't, I don't really know anything that I did. I, di I didn't really do anything. And what if God just said, yeah, you loved people like I love you. Mm. And that's all I ever ask you to do. Mm. Well, so, the responsibility right we 
we have a responsibility as the church to offer the same self-giving love that was manifested by Jesus on the cross. And so we are to live our lives in a way that patterns the life of Jesus. We imitate him and his love for neighbor. And we're called to be agents of reconciliation. So as a church and as a people, we are instruments. I see it as we are instruments of the kingdom with many gifts. That's why there's so many different gifts, right? We are, we are all instruments of the kingdom. And we, as instruments and as people of the church or as the church, um, must come to understand who we are as servants of the kingdom. And so I love this. I, I think it's as simple as this, although it's really complex, right? We, we the church, are God's expression of how God feels about the world. It seems like a very proactive approach and a proactive calling to be who we are in this world. Right, Stan? Right. Yeah, it, uh, it makes me think, you know, we all know N.T. Wright writes a lot of books, right? And uh, he actually got a book out on the pandemic. Uh, and he, the timing of the book is such that it actually went to print and was out before this latest round of, of issues in our country with, with racism and whatnot. But he addresses the pandemic. It's called God and the Pandemic by N.T. Wright. It's a short little book, five chapters. And um, he made some very interesting points to what you just said. He said that, uh, he said that you know, when Jesus was performing the signs in his life and ministry that's recorded for us in the Gospels, at no point was he saying, watch this, there's going to be an earthquake, there's going to be a famine, there's going to be all these things that are going to be thunderbolts and, 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 and dark stuff and, and damaging stuff to scare you into coming into the kingdom, right? No, 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 no. The kingdom was all about healing and provision and inclusion and good news to people and, and everything being set right, not not scare tactics and bad things. So when people say in his book, you know, an over, overarching theme is when people say, well, is this virus some indication that, uh, you know, this is pestilence from Revelation and we're getting ready to have the end? Um, he says, no. And he says, there will be no more signs because Jesus was the ultimate and final sign. He, he showed the kingdom. He's now giving what the Father charged him with. As, as the Father sent him, he has now sent us. So what in the world does that mean? If we have been sent as Jesus out into the world, N.T. says that there were basically three questions that the early church probably asked. They, they didn't ask, John, why us? Why is this virus here? Why is whatever this pandemic is, whether it be one of the, one of the plagues or whether it be an earthquake or whether it be a famine or whatever it was, they didn't say, why is this happening? They said, who's going to be at special risk because this happens, if, especially if they're being foretold it's going to happen, like in Joseph's case, right, that he knew that the famine was coming for seven years. How can we help or what can we do to help and who shall we send? Those, the, the answers to those questions are, are proactive responses and that thinking is already proactive. So when we think about love being proactive, it, it engulfs our thinking about how we're thinking about how things are happening around us as we speak at all times. And so I think about us beginning to put all this together and I think about what it means for us to love our neighbor. 
And as we reflect, as we continue to reflect this summary in these teaching moments on Luke chapter 10, you have this road and you have a circumstance that has taken place on this road. And it's, it's a journey that these individuals are on. And so um, it, it may be that we find ourselves on a road that maybe we hadn't expected to be on. And I'm wondering in what ways the Holy Spirit is going to place people in our path, uh, maybe on some of these roads that we hadn't expected to take for us to live those questions out that you just asked. Yeah. How will we proactively live those questions out? Right. So um, as we think through this, I want to say to our to anybody who is um, listening and interacting with us through these messages very practically this week today wherever whenever it is that you're listening to this and processing this who who is it that god is placing on your heart to show love to today this week right now in this city in your path on the road that you're on because each one of us is walking down unique roads and has unique interactions with different people, who is it that while we're being aware and attentive to our mission as instruments, right, of the kingdom, who is God placing on our hearts to show love to? Yeah, I think that's that's awesome, John. And, you know, to tie it together, if people are out there thinking, well, what was the talk about the church building for? You know, there are roads we get on on purpose, right? There are roads we we travel to the building on on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. Um, but during this time, to, to N.T. Wright's book, God in the Pandemic, during this time when we haven't been able to go to the building and we haven't had the next appointed time on a schedule, well, what does it mean to be a Christian when those well-worn roads that we always travel are not available? And so mm-hmm. we're on the other roads. And, and quite frankly, as you said, and I heard you say, what if the Spirit actually puts us on a road intentionally that we didn't intend on traveling? Mm-hmm. And if, if we go back to the Good Samaritan story and think about wherever, wherever the Samaritan was headed, uh, he probably did not expect to find someone beaten up in the ditch mm. on his journey. Mm. So that threw a monkey wrench in what he had planned to do and what his itinerary was and what his schedule was and, 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 and maybe even his budget, right? And so that's being the church outside of the building. Yeah. Thanks, Stan. So we're grateful for anybody who is um, who's tuned in and who is watching and listening. And uh, we look forward to continuing this conversation as it unfolds the rest of this summer. But as we've said uh, several times now, we have no intentions of this merely being a summer theme. We are really uh, within within us on staff and certainly as a ministry team and a leadership team asking the questions about what does it really mean for us to be the church in this city and love others well, um, love our neighbors to really contemplate on what it means to to the, the, or what, what, to contemplate on what it means for love itself to do no wrong to a neighbor, what it means for us to attend to our neighbor and what it means for us as a community to foster and cultivate the kind of life towards others that envisions and creates a just and truthful and peaceful place because of who we are and because we are God's expression of how he feels about the world. So thanks again for tuning in to this particular segment of 
my town and certainly loving your neighbor. And so Stan, thanks for um, uh, the conversation today. And uh, we look forward to being with you again in the future and continuing this conversation. So hope you all have a great evening or day or whatever time of day it is that you may be joining in. So uh, grace and peace unto each one of you. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you.